0: chapter 14 of the cliff climbers this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the cliff climbers by thomas maine reed chapter 14 a curious nest just then the curved projection was observed to recede within the tree and in its place appeared a small dark hole apparently the entrance to a larger cavity karl as caspar had done the moment before saw this with surprise nest repeated caspar astonished at the shikaree's statement a bird's nest is that what you mean Osi? that just it sahib nest of great biggie bird Ferengis him call hornbill. well rejoined caspar not greatly enlightened by ossaroo's explanation that's very curious we have seen something like a horn sticking out of the tree though it looks more like ivory than horn it may be the bill of a bird but as to a bird itself or the nest of one where is that pray ossaroo intimated that the nest was inside the tree and that the bird was on the nest just behind its beak where it ought to be what the bird is in that hole where we saw the white thing sticking out why it quite filled the hole and if there is a bird there and what we saw be its bill i have only to say that its bill must be as big as its body else how can it get out and in through so small an aperture certainly i see no hole but the one ah uh, perhaps the bird is a toucan i have heard there are some of that sort that can go through any place where they can pass their beaks is it a toucan ossaroo ossaroo could not tell what a toucan was never having heard of such a bird his ornithological knowledge went no farther than to the birds of Bengal, and the Taukan is found only in America. He stated that the bird in the tree was called by the pharingis a hornbill, but it was also known to some as the rhinoceros bird. Osaru added that it was as large as a goose and that its body was many times thicker than its bill, thick as the latter appeared to be and you say it has its nest inside that hole interrogated caspar pointing to the little round aperture which did not appear to be over three inches in diameter sure of it young sahib was Osaroo's reply well certainly there is some living creature in there since we have seen it move and if it be a bird as large as a goose will you explain to me how it got in and how it means to get out there must be a larger entrance on the other side of the tree no sahib. "'confidently asserted Osseroo. "'That you see before your eye "'that the only way to the hornbill nest. "'Hurrah for you, Osi! "'So you mean to say that a bird as large as a goose "'can go in and out by that hole? "'Why, a sparrow could scarce squeeze itself through there. "'Hornbill he no goo in, "'he no go out. "'He stay inside till him little chickies "'ready for leave nest. "'Come, Osi," said Casper, "'in a bantering way. "'That story is too good to be true you don't expect us to believe all that what stay in the nest till the young are ready to leave it and how then how will the young ones help their mother out of the scrape how will they get out themselves for i suppose they don't leave the nest till they are pretty well grown come good shikari, let us have no more circumlocution about this matter but explain all these apparently inexplicable circumstances the shikaree thus appealed to proceeded to give the explanation demanded the hornbill he said when about to bring forth its youth selects a hollow in some tree just large enough conveniently to hold the nest which it builds and also its own body as soon as the nest is constructed and the eggs all laid the female bird takes her seat upon them and there remains not only until the eggs are hatched but for a long time afterwards in fact until the young are nearly fledged and able to take care of themselves in order that she may be protected during the period of her incubation against weasels polecats, ignomins and all such vermin a design exhibiting either wonderful instinct or sagacity is carried into execution by the male as soon as his mate has squatted upon her eggs he goes to work at the masonic art and using his great horned mandibles first as a hut and afterwards as a trowel, he walls up the entrance to the nest leaving an aperture just large enough to be filled up by the beak of the female the material employed by him for this purpose is a kind of agglutinated mud which he procures from the neighbouring watercourse or quagmire and somewhat similar to that used by the common house swallow for constructing its peculiar nest. When dried, this mud becomes exceedingly hard, bidding defiance to the teeth and claws of all would-be intruders. Whether bird or quadruped, and with the horny beak of the old hen projected outward and quite filling up the aperture, even the slippery tree snake cannot find room enough to squeeze his body through the female thus free from all fear of being molested quietly continues her incubation when osaru had got thus far with his explanation Caspar interrupted him with a query what said he sit all the time for weeks i suppose without ever coming out without taking an airing and how does she get her food as caspar put this question and before ossaroo had time to answer a noise reached their ears which appeared to proceed from the sky above them it was a noise well calculated to inspire terror in those who had never before heard it or did not know what was causing it it was a sort of fluttering clattering sound or rather a series of sounds resembling the quickly repeated gusts of a violent storm the moment ossaroo heard it he knew what it was and instead of giving a direct answer to caspar's question he simply said wait a bit sahib here come old khaki hornbill he show you how the hen getee her foot the words had scarcely passed from the lips of the shikari when the cause of that singular noise became known to his companions the maker of it appeared before them in the form of a great bird that with a strong flapping of its wings flew past the tree in which they were seated towards that which contained the nest. In an instant afterwards, it was seen resting on a spar-like projection of the trunk, just below the aperture, and it needed not Oseru to tell them that it was the cock hornbill that had there alighted. The large beak, the tip of it resembling that which they had already seen sticking out of the hole, and which was once more visible and in motion, surmounted by an immense helmet-like protuberance, rising upon the crown and running several inches along the top of the upper mandible which might have been taken for a second beak this singular appendage could belong to no other bird than the hornbill chapter 14.